Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This car doesn't have any seat belts, but I do have a bunch of banana peels and red turtle shells, so I think I'm ready. This week on the Story Song Podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan Mackiner. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Every episode, we walk you through a story song. And this week, we're doing Tell Laura I Love Her. This week, we're going to uh, drive you through a story song. Yeah. Oh, by, awkward. By Ray, <laughs> by Ray Peterson uh, is the name released in 1960. Uh, not surprising when you hear the uh, subject matter of the song. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I almost feel like in the 60s, were they like still not used to the idea of cars? Because <laughs> they seemed super concerned that you were going to die in a car crash. Yeah. It seems like they were still a little skittish about, hold on, you're telling me there's no horses attached to it? I'm still not sure. Uh, they, were but real, anyway. they were real loose with seatbelt laws back then. <laughs> oh, laws? If they had any. I don't think they had seatbelts, period. Yeah. Forget about the laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't even have regular belts, just suspenders. <laughs> How's that going to help? Yeah. There are pictures of my parents as kids, like sitting in the front seat of my grandparents' car with like no seatbelts. And they're like five. Oh, sure. And they're just like, oh, you know what? Let's put them in the front seat because if someone rear ends us, we don't want them to get hurt. Well, I'm pretty sure that prior to like 2018, nobody cared if anybody was safe. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. That's yeah, particularly yeah. around machinery. It was like, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have to have nine kids because at least three of them are gonna be be given to the machines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the sacrifice. I <laughs> will keep the robot revolution at bay for another year. It was uh, it was that long <laughs> period of time when we lived in maximum overdrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, guys, we're already <laughs> off to the races with a maximum overdrive reference. <laughs> so, Michael. Yes. Uh, we've danced around it enough. Tell us, what's this song about? Uh, so, Tell Laura I Love Her is a early 60s song about um, two teenagers in love, Tommy and Laura. Tommy wants to buy stuff for Laura. That's But sweet. he ain't got no money. Most importantly, what he wants to buy for her is uh, a wedding ring. So he decides- I'm sure they're like 16 years old. <clears throat> But oh yeah, let's, of let's course, continue. of course. <laughs> oh, let's yeah. go on. Um, he decides the best way to do that is not to work in an ice cream shop; it's mm. to enter a stock car race. 
and he hopes to win the $1,000 grand prize. So being an inexperienced driver and being 1960 <laughs> and being a story song, clearly he dies. Sure. Um, in, a, in a horrible car accident. This was the least surprising twist of any song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That I've ever heard. Yeah. And everybody, everybody like watching the race was like, oh, well, that'll happen. And so he dies. And as they pull him from the wreck, all he says is, tell Laura I love her. Yeah. Aw. And, and millions of teenagers in 1960 wept. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> millions of teenagers in 1960 said, I hope that happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I die tragically. And, and with my last breath say that I love my girlfriend or boyfriend, because uh, that's the way to go yeah. here in 1960. <laughs> this is what love is, right? 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 <laughs> love is the fire in which we burn. Burn. <laughs> Another sacrifice for the machines. Another sacrifice. <laughs> Laura and Tommy were lovers. He wanted to give her everything. Flowers. Presents. And most of all, a wedding ring. He saw a sign for a stock car race. A thousand dollar prize, it read. He couldn't get Laura on the phone. So to her mother, Tommy said, Tell Laura I love her. Start at the top here. Uh, Laura and Tommy were lovers. Ew. Ew. Um, ew. Ew. Ugh. Now, I, I, now, in 1960, that word doesn't mean what it's going to come to mean in the 70s when it super but grosses us does, out. But doesn't it? It doesn't? Well, no. Because no, apparently- then, I think it's just so, people who were in love. Weirdly, later, the word lover came to mean they weren't in love, but they were just doing it a lot. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so, after that, it was just like, I don't know. People who are like leisure leisure suits and hung out right. in hot tubs. <laughs> right, sure. right. But Laura and Tommy were lovers. He wanted to give her everything. Flowers, presents, and most of all, a wedding ring. Now, as we've all already alluded to, it is not stated, but I'm going to assume these are teenagers. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. um, 1960s, put the, put the brakes on it. Get a little life experience. You don't have to get married, you know... Right, or or even in high school at some time. It's 1960, though. They don't. They, That's true. They don't know. They're like right. You know, graduation again. Graduation is right around the corner. I'm always interested in how it escalates. He wanted to give her everything all at once: flowers, right. presents, and most of all, a wedding ring. Presents. Explain to us, Tommy. Start <laughs> with the presents. Yeah, you know, yeah. make a make a month make a monthly budget for yourself. Yeah, you right. could get her a couple of flowers, maybe one little present, and then work up. But you're not going right. to give her all all the things at once. That's you know, and that's got, really not everything. That's th those are three things. He wants to give her three things, unless unless presents. I mean, like it's 1960; they didn't have like iPads, but like right, unless presents <laughs> is just sort of this all encompassing thing. Well, that's, that's what I think. Thing. It's, I mean, I think everything he sees, he's like, oh, I'd like to get that for her, and I'd like to get that for her, and I'd like to get that for her. But the thing is, is that- <laughs> That's a newspaper, and that's a lamp? <laughs> I'll take and that, and that, and that. Sir, that's I'll my take, dog. 
I'll take this paper clip and this paper clip and this paper clip and this paper clip. Tommy, just give um, me the box. <laughs> I must give you everything. Um, and it, I mean, the presents you wanted to get, it's 1960, so probably like a hula hoop and a netch sketch, right? Sure. Sure. sure yeah, sure, of course. Sure. Of course. But of course. Um, I mean, what I was going to say was we're going to get into in a second his plan to get the money. But this is 1960. I mean, if you're in high school, you can get like a job in a factory, right? That pays like ridiculously well and has like a pension plan and health benefits. Like, <laughs> right. you just go get a job. Like now, when people are like driving Uber for four dollars an hour, right? Yeah, I could see why you need like a crazy get rich quick scheme. But in 1960, you literally like you could just walk into a factory. They would just hand you a wrench and be like, "Get to work, son." Right. Th- thank God we've been waiting. We need a sacrifice for the machine. We need. <laughs> Ignore that part I just said. I didn't mean that part. But what we need is we need a sacrifice for the machine. I mean an engineer. I keep doing that. I'm sorry. Um. Uh, uh. Pay, pay no pay no attention to the gog to the uh, bloody goggles hanging from the uh, machines. Uh, just you can wipe that blood off. It comes right off. It's really easy. It's fine. Get a little we- vinegar. The little vinegar. Just wipe that off. It comes right off. And we like to reuse the goggles. So just please be careful with them. What was I saying? Oh yeah, you can just go get a job. That was right. that was my only point. In 1960, <laughs> you can just go get a job. You don't right. you don't need to do anything crazy. Um, and I'm sure within a few weeks you would have enough money to to buy her a ring. But he, he's also very. Um, oh, go ahead. He he doesn't do that. Yeah. Did you did you want well, to say something else? I was going to say about? he's also very materialistic. He, he maybe True. he wanted to give her everything. You know, maybe what she wants is a stable home life and a caring and supporting partner um, and not just flowers and some dopey wedding ring that you can get uh, in the 1960s for five dollars. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. We we don't really get much information about Laura. I mean, she might have got that ring and be like, slow down, cowboy. Like we're, we're just hanging out like this is, you know. Uh, I like you a lot, maybe someday, but we don't, we don't need to jump in with both feet. Let's kind of, we're just having a good time here. Right, right. Um, You're a really good listener, but I'm, I'm really more into rebels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like like someone who's going to steal that ring, not buy that ring. Right, right. (laughs) Also, it's, he's, he's kind of like skipping the old engagement part. He wants to get her a wedding ring. Ooh, that's true. Oh, that's true. Though I didn't even think of that. Though, you know what? I don't, I think in the sixties, in the early sixties and the fifties, I don't think long engagements were a thing. Either they were super long, like right, like it, like three or five years, or it was, or it was like, hey, I came back from the war, and now look, I have a bride. I mean, I guess maybe he just wants the money for the wedding ring, but they probably mean. I guess I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have an engagement ring. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Whatever. We can't ask Tommy. He's dead. <laughs> so, so he he needs the money to get her. Literally everything in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sees a sign for a stock car race, a thousand dollar prize. It read a thousand dollars in that day. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's that's a pretty good chunk of change, yeah. probably. But it would be over eighty five hundred dollars today. Wow. Right. However, you are literally taking your life in your hand because sure. uh, stock car race, uh, very dangerous. Um, also. We have not been told that, like, Tommy is a veteran stock car racer. Right. So <laughs> is this his first race? And also, are they just taking amateurs off the street? Yeah. Can like, anybody enter this race? Is this like the U.S. Open in golf where just, like, anyone can walk on and if they're good enough, they get there? Guess what? <laughs> not a lot of chance you're going to die playing golf. 
very high chance you're going to die doing a stock car race if you don't know what you're doing. So it, this seems like it is super a, dangerous. It is a free for all in the 60s when it comes to cars. <laughs> they were all over the place. I saw recently saw um, Rebel Without a Cause for the first time. And one, yeah. of the, one of the like teenagers just turns to his friend and is like, get me two cars for tonight. And then he shows up with two cars. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just two random cars. It's not their cars. They're just two right. random cars. People yeah. were real lackadaisical about about cars back then. Yeah. They're like, oh, you want to drive your car real fast and you have no way to stop yourself if the car stops? Sure, let's do it. Now, I didn't see Rebel Without a Cause, but I did see Paula Abdul's Rush Rush video. It is um, spot on. And it, it was like weirdly a similar story. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Great minds yeah. think alike. <laughs> 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 that is all by the way uh side note but that is all i could think about every time i saw uh a shot that was the same as uh rush rush it was yeah. this i was like oh my god that's from rush rush it's yeah. not from rush rush it's from uh, it's the Rebel opposite way cause. it's the opposite way but um that is my favorite keanu reeves movie <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah as well it should be it just breaks my heart that he never found a cause i just <laughs> right? whole movie. Uh, uh, tried greenpeace for a bit but it didn't pan out yeah, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm assuming it's just about a guy who goes from charity to charity. Yeah. Like looking to volunteer. <laughs> yep. Really makes you think, you know. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so, all right. So he, he with no preparation, probably, I mean, I would imagine a stock car is probably like a type of car, right? I don't know a ton about it, but I don't think you'd just I, be like, me, me, I have my little like Hyundai, here I am to, to drive around on a stock car. Um, race. Are you making so, fun of my automobile? <laughs> this is the largest automobile that I could afford. Um, I, I will say this, though, before we get into that, just uh, in yeah. terms of the ring, the $1,000 grand prize is over $8,500 today. And yeah. according to my research, uh, mm -hmm. I think it was on The Knot, the average price of an engagement ring is about $5,600. So Tommy was definitely going to be, if he won this race, he could afford that mm -hmm. ring. He was set. Yeah. And like a lot of Etch-a-Sketches. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he, all he really needed was about, in 1960 dollars, about $655. I did the calculations. I mean, he wants to literally buy everything. Did you not, did you miss the beginning of part of the song? Like, yeah. literally everything. Oh, so all of the rings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally every, every wedding ring. And most of all, the wedding <laughs> the <world>. rings. <laughs> okay, so he's going to join this race. And so he calls Laura, but he mm -hmm. can't get her on the phone. Oh, no. So he talks to her mother. Uh, um and weird weird <laughs> that this is this seems to be a running theme with us and he tells the mother tell laura i love her tell laura i need her and the mom's like what does that mean exactly? <laughs> um excuse me that is my seems... daughter mm, tell laura i may be late i've something to do that cannot wait mm -hmm. um my first uh thought on that is uh this can very much wait right, uh right. you this this is not this is not time sensitive. Uh, you definitely don't need to do this. And they probably do this like every other weekend. Sure, so maybe sure. like, maybe chill out for a second. Oh, um, yeah, that, that, that flyer he saw for, for the stock car race just said Saturdays. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Didn't Sunday, have a specific Sunday, dates. Sunday. This kid is an idiot. Uh, yeah. This is completely unnecessary. And he's acting like, this is my one shot. Sure. When again, it's the 1960s. You walk outside 
you trip over a machine and they're like, hey, can we pay you $50 an hour to maintain that thing? Because um, we, we're in the middle of the Industrial Revolution and we just need people. And we'll yeah. just pay them like crazy. Right. Here, Machines just, need people. Here, here's, here's money. Here, just take money. Here you go. Here's enough to buy a house, 16-year-old person. <laughs> Here's full benefits. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you- you're going to need it. Let me be clear. You're going to need it because it is crazy dangerous out here. There are cars just flying around. Yeah. These people are in cars. They're not even strapped in. They're not even strapped in in a car. You know how fast it's going? This is insane. And these cars are like 20, 25 feet long. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is you. Everybody has a boat on land guess what no one in uh in the year 1960s ever said crumple zone no (laughs) it's solid steel side and front airbags uh so yeah so he he calls the mom says tell laura i love her tell laura i need her um and beyond again beyond the fact the mom being like this is getting a little weird uh the mother also should be like um this is why is this weirdly ominous why why are you why are you acting like you're going off to war it's almost Almost like you know what's going to happen, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Tommy, do you need someone to talk to? Tommy, are you are you okay? Are you maybe like, you know, looking for a little self-harm? Like what what's going on here, Tommy? Tommy this is weird. Did, Tommy, did you recently take out an insurance policy on yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I just these are just questions the mother right. of a girlfriend <laughs> of a girlfriend asks the boyfriend. Th- this is the questions that a mother of a girlfriend in a 1960s tragedy song, asks a boyfriend. <laughs> right, right. Because I know where this is going. I've yeah. been through this before. I've heard these songs. Um, Tommy, why does this phone call sound like a letter that you would have left on a mantle <laughs> next to your picture? <laughs> Are you going somewhere, Tommy? Tommy, why does this phone call sound like a flashback that my daughter would have when she was at your funeral? Mostly, Tommy, why are you involving me? <laughs> yeah. Can, can you just call back when Laura is here? Because I do not want to be a part of this. I have my own life, okay? <laughs> I got. I have hopes and dreams. I have things to do. If you want to go get yourself killed, knock yourself out. Just leave me out of it. I'm not, not interested in being involved in this story. I have children to drive around with no seatbelts. I've got <laughs> unfiltered cigarettes to smoke. I've got, got a pretty cool day, Tommy. I've got lead paint to put on my walls. <laughs> I got I I got to take just straight methamphetamine um, yep. in the form of diet pills that my doctor gives me. I got a lot going on, Tommy. <laughs> so I did not have time. What what I'm saying you. is I'm trying to lead a healthy life. So <laughs> you just be safe. And uh, Tommy, sacrifice for the machine. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then what we talked about last time with Sylvia's mother can't get her on the phone. That's it. That's your one chance. Yeah. She wasn't home. No other way to reach her. Nope. That's just time to go off and die uh, because you cannot talk to her. Where is she? No way of knowing. No way of getting in t- contact with her. The 60s, ladies the, and gentlemen. This is a, this is a gift of <laughs> through, the- ma- Through this, the 90s. Yeah. This is a gift of the Magi type situation. Laura right. is actually somewhere doing something dangerous to get money to give Tommy everything. <laughs> Laura so he is could buy out. a seatbelt. She's ah, shopping. You got, we bumped heads going for that joke. I was like, Laura's out buying a seatbelt for Tommy's car. Yeah. But, she, but to do it, she's playing the game where you try and like, with, with the she's trying to play the knife game and she chops off her ring finger. Oh. 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 Snap. <laughs> I mean, or don't snap. She doesn't have a ring finger. <laughs> oh, Henry over here. Yeah, right. Uh, Jeez, Louise. 
<laughs> so the writer, not so, the candy bar, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the candy bar. <laughs> he drove his car to the racing ground. He was the youngest driver there. The crowd roared as they started the race. Round the track they drove at a deadly pace. No one knows what happened that day. How his car overturned in flames. But as they pulled him from the twisted wreck With his dying breath They heard him say Tell Laura I love her Tell Laura I need her He hangs up the phone Immediately goes outside Gets in his car Drives to the racing ground Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the youngest driver there, which should tell you, you probably should. He's probably younger by like five years, right? Like the rest of these guys probably know what they're doing. Yeah. He's just some schmo who's like, I've driven a car before. I can do this. Also, hold on. If you also have this like your first race, you think you're going to win? Right. These guys right. are professionals. Like, it's not like you, it's not like you survive the race. You get the money. You right. got to win the race. Maybe you right. should like, I don't know. Go to like the mall parking lot and see how fast you can drive. Yeah, like just this. Like, can you even like get close to winning? Um, He's on buddy. his bike. <laughs> He's like, I don't that know was how his this first works. mistake. <laughs> I need money to buy a car, so I'm <laughs> I'm getting in a car race with my bike. The crowd roared as they started the race. I assume the roar sounded something like this: "Sacrifice for the machine! <laughs> Sacrifice for the machine!" Uh. Um, this, the machine Sabbath is coming. <laughs> so this is this is a lot of this is on the organizers of this race. Yeah. Where I feel like they didn't even oh, check yeah. to see if this 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 kid has like a driver's license. No, this right. is insane that you would have like a, an amateur who could who could come into this race. I mean, but again, literally no no safety regulations. I assume, at this yeah. at this time, I assume, like literally, you could do anything. I assume the um, application process, like when it, the registration process process goes, name Tommy. Yep. Is that with a Y? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Great, you seem like a no good Nick. Get into your car. It's it's also 1960. Yeah, yeah. Half these cars are convertibles. <laughs> right, right, right. So then it says round the track they drove at a deadly pace. Hmm. So. I'm going to assume when Tommy, you know, got into the, he was like, he was like, Hey, I want to do this stock race. They're like, great. So you're going to get in your car and you're going to drive around the track at a deadly pace. What kind of a pace? Oh, a normal just, pace. <laughs> just a normal, fast pace. Normal. Yeah. Don't forget about that first thing okay. that I said. Normal, not going to en- engulf you in flames or anything kind of p- pace. Right. You know, a regular pace. Yeah, yeah. Just a regular, deadly pace. His speedometer is um, just like 60, 70, 80, <laughs> ludicrous <deadly>. speed. <laughs> deadly pace. It's all over the place, which is after ludicrous speed. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Speedometers were also not regulated back then, so. You, you, know, that there was, you know that there was one person in the stands. Every, they're, they're just running around that. They're just like flying around that curve, and there's one person going, I don't know why they don't just slow down. <laughs> I don't know why they're going at such a deadly pace. We're just here to enjoy the races. I just want to see the cars. <laughs> is this not a car they're show? Going, they're going so fast, I can barely see them. I just want to see the nice cars with the nice people. And are they just <laughs> going around in a circle? What is the point of this? <laughs> they're not even going to get anywhere. This is a this is such a waste of of resources. This is just re- just a lot of wear and tear. 
on your on your tires. I don't even know why I come to these things. <laughs> I complain every time. It's always the same. It's unbelievable. I just want to see the nice cars. Can you slow down so I can see the cars? Oh my gosh. Is this not a dealership? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, cigarette, cigarette, cigarette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are all for me, by the way. Six <laughs> at once. Oh, 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 oh. It's the 60s. My job at the factory is so stressful and yet so lucrative. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Um, so no one knows what happened that day. I could take a guess. I think he crashed, but whatever. Uh, no one knows what happened also, that day. Hold on. How, also, how, how does yeah. no one know what happens that day? Are, is there no audience? Is is there nobody? As, are, there, are, are there no spectators who are watching this race? I mean, I guess what they're trying to say is they don't know why he crashed. Like, what caused the crash? But I can tell you what caused the crash, because he's a 16-year-old kid who doesn't know how to drive a stock car. Yeah. That's what caused the crash. Yeah. Um, no anti-lock but... brakes. Twas yeah. inexperience that no... caused the crash. <laughs> <laughs> no airbags. No crumple zones. No, you know, fire retardant jumpsuit. Hindsight's 2020, but really, let's get going here, 1960. So no one knows what happened that day. How his car overturned in flames? <laughs> Just told us what happened that day. <laughs> but as they pulled him from the twisted wreck, Ugh. he looked just like this. And then Large Marge's face <laughs> melts as they pulled him from. Isn't it, I think that even the line that is the line as they pulled him from the twisted wreck. I think wreck. so. Doesn't matter. As they pulled him from the twisted wreck, with his dying breath, they heard him say. Tell Laura I love her. Tell Laura I need her. Tell Laura not to cry. My love for her will never die. God, and somewhere Laura's just saying, wait, Tommy, who? <laughs> yeah. She goes, oh my gosh, was I supposed to have a date tonight? <laughs> <laughs> That's why she wasn't home to take the phone call. She was with her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. How awful would that be? She's like, did I have a date with Tommy or Carl or Steve <laughs> or Joe tonight? It's so hard to keep them all straight. I need a planner. If somebody's going to buy me a present, they should, they should buy me a planner. <laughs> no flowers, Tommy, no wedding ring. Yeah. Tommy, just buy me a calendar just... so I can keep, keep track of all yeah. the different boys that I'm dating. And, and please don't mark which days are the stock car race because that's just going to be upsetting. Yeah. Or, or do, so then I know that I'm free the next day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he tell Laura not to cry. And again, like, you got to remember, these are like people who work for the stock car race. So they're like, Who's we Laura? What is he talking? We don't know who we've these people never, are. We, Tommy, we've never we, seen you before. This is the first yeah, time you've been here. And the last. <laughs> and one, and one, and one, sorry, and one guy just goes, sure, kid, sure. Yeah, whatever you say, He's kid. gone. Okay, is he dead? He's dead. A sacrifice for the machine! <laughs> I love this little Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> this is great. Okay. This is great. Somebody call up Jordan Peele. Now in the chapel... Well, Laura prays for her Tommy who passed away. It was just for Laura he lived and died. Alone in the chapel, she can hear him cry. Tell Laura I love her. So, yeah, so he's dead. And then uh, <laughs> now in the chapel, Laura prays for Tommy who passed away. Yeah. Song, we know. <laughs> we know he passed away. We've already been, what, what, that is, what are you talking we, about? That yeah. is like the most filler line. She, she's at his funeral. Yeah. We knew, listen. She's the, at the, the funeral for Tommy who passed listen, away. The, the listener, is, is what the, line the listener says. knew before Laura knew. So don't tell us, well, tell Laura. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell Laura. I mean, 
the listener knew from the first opening chord. When you hear that, you're like, I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah somebody's going to be dead by the end of this song. <laughs> so she, she prays for Tommy, who passed away. It was just for Laura. He lived and died. Yikes. Alone in the chapel, she can hear him cry. Yeah, oh, she, hear, she hears the voice from heaven or whatever. Yeah. Tell Laura I love her. Tell Laura I need her. Tell Laura not to cry. My love for her will never die. Tell Laura I love her. Tell Laura I love her. Um, weird. I mean, it's we don't get a lot of details about Tommy and Laura. No. Right? Just that they're like, lovers. That's, that's, and Tommy's yeah. a terrible normally, driver. <laughs> right, but normally there'd be a verse, right, about how much in love they are. Right. Right, and, and you know, so you really feel the impact of the death. This one, like... No pun. We, <laughs> oh, Michael. The other thing is that normally there would be higher stakes, right? Right. He wants to buy her a wedding ring, which we understand, like, that, you know, that's probably important to him. But normally it's the thing where it'd be like, he desperately needed the money for whatever, right? Like, he was, he had to move away, or she was yeah, moving away. Yeah, they need away, to get or, out of town or you know, something. They need to get out of town. Yeah, whatever it is. This is, like, super low stakes, right? Like, if he didn't, like, because he wasn't going to win the race. Yeah. Like, even if he survived, he almost certainly wasn't going to win the race. So, like... Tomorrow, he'd be like, all right, let me look in the paper and see what else I can do to make money. Like, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like this money was going to make or break Oh, a tightrope act? Oh, I could probably do that. <laughs> oh, a lion tamer, huh? Well, I could, I'm sure I could pick that right up. Uh, or there would be a huh. montage where he's looking for stock car races. Like, Laura, I didn't win this one, but I'm going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you just and see, then he wins. <laughs> and then you just see him in the car from the front, and then it just fades yep. from car to car, and he's looking left, he's looking right. Yeah. Well, that's, and it says Boise so, and uh, Dayton, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I can picture it in my mind, and it's breathtaking. Just spitting headlines. Tommy comes in third. I'll get him next time. Says sixty-year-old phenom. Um, and then, then, then in the montage, he's getting like increasing size trophies. Yep. At yeah, the end of each exactly. race. Exactly. It, it ends with them being like, Laura, I'm telling you, I think the car is alive. <laughs> the car Herbie helped me win. Uh, Herbie winked um, <laughs> and, and shoots oil at the bad guy. Um, okay. So, but Dan, to your point, this, this is sort yeah. of unique in these teen tragedy songs where like the stakes are low, but it's also, there's nothing causes this to happen. There's no, if only this happened, there's no like right. lesson to be learned. It's just a freak accident. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think that, well, I, as, as often as the lesson in these songs, the lesson is like, chill out. Yeah. Like, sure. Sure. You know, this is like, this was really dumb. This is crazy dangerous, but, um, and, and for not really a big deal, like, you know, and also like, don't get married when you're 16. Right. <laughs> right. It, I mean, it feels, I don't want to, I don't want to hate on the song. Uh, I'm not hating on the song, but it feels a little paid by numbers. Right. Where it's like, well, we need a tragedy. What can happen? Hey, stock cars popular. Right. Uh, what if he died in a stock car? I mean, uh, it's race been, because yeah. these two are in love. Someone has to be killed. Yeah, it's it's right. it's one of the most. For the machine. It's one of the most straightforward. <laughs> For yeah, the machine. It's one of the most straightforward um, teen tragedy songs there are. You never even see yeah. them together. You never even hear of them together while they're both alive, um, right. and it just cuts to the chase. It says he needs money for to marry Laura. He dies in a stock car race. Laura weeps at his funeral. That's the entire right. thing. There's no, yeah. There, yeah. <clears throat> there's no nuance to it. There's, there's no, you know, as he rushes to her side, the car turns over. No, it's very. Yeah, it's not like it, it, Laura was in the stands and he was distracted yes. by her beauty. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, that's like he would have. Yeah, he would have seen her in the stands and been like, 
Laura, you know, or she would have been like, Tommy, don't do this, you know, like the moment before. <laughs> or he sticks his head out the window. Laura, whatever. look, I'm driving. <laughs> look, Hi. put your head back in for God's sakes. What? Yeah. <laughs> for some reason, on the side of my car, they wrote sacrifice. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, I'm going to get the money. Bye. Bye. Look out, look out, look out, look out. Yeah, exactly. That car seems to be opening its hood to me as if they are jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Laura, I see a light. It's right in front of me. My God, it's full of stars, Laura. It's full of stars. Um, okay, so what did I want to say? Um, this song is weird. It is. Yeah. That's all I had. And not only do do we not know much about Tommy and Laura, like nobody in this song actually speaks. The only person who speaks is Tommy. Right. Right. Um, and he talks to the mom. He says the same thing over and over, like both as regular Tommy and Ghost Tommy. He right. he just says, tell Laura I love her. And like, that's it. There's no interaction right, right. with anybody else. And the only other character is the mother who's like, that's nice to your click. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we don't like this. This song reads like a blurb in a newspaper. Right. Like we don't we have no there's nothing yeah. about the internal lives. Of sure. These characters. Sure. We don't really know how they feel about anything. It's just sort of like then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. <laughs> and right. then he was dead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe at the end her hearing his voice from beyond the grave, but that's really about it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just like a recounting of this weird Ghost thing. Tommy. Now, I am imagining, you know, like 30-year-old Laura, now in like the mid-70s probably, uh, who's married with a kid. Wearing a caftan. And has, yeah, and has gotten... <laughs> Uh, zero counseling for the trauma <laughs> that she that she experienced, and she's doing all kinds of weird '70s stuff uh, that she does not understand because she did not she has not processed the trauma of the fact that her teenage boyfriend died in a in a she's fire. She's drinking a lot of gimlets uh, and like you know, yeah, smoking. And then her her children are just like, well, I guess we'll just be weird Gen X kids <laughs> because our mothers <laughs> our mother's super distant for some reason yep. that we don't understand. Yeah. Um, and she will not let so us go I, to the stock car races. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so we're not even ha- allowed to have the the little electric ones that right. drive around in the, <laughs> yeah on the track. Man, those are those fun, are super fun. Um, so goodbye, Tommy. We hardly knew you. Literally. <laughs> um, That's true. And ye hardly knew how it, to drive. Not not to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but Please. the only person who knew that Tommy was going to the stock car race was Laura's mother. And uh, I wonder if she like uh, cut his brakes or something. <laughs> that would be an amazing wow, twist. Was, no one knows what happened that day except Laura's mother. The missing, the missing yeah. verse is like Laura and her mom, and her mom just saying, "I did it for you, Laura." <laughs> well, that's no, that's weird. I thought you were just gonna say that she was like, "Oh yeah, Tommy, go right ahead, go do that stock car." Like, I don't think she needed to cut his brakes. She knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> she hangs up the phone. She goes, that boy's dead. <laughs> We're never going to hear from him again. She goes, hangs Tommy, the phone and goes, you in danger, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Laura's mom just hangs up the phone and just goes, so Laura, uh, have you talked to Joe lately? Uh, maybe you should call him and ask if he's doing anything tomorrow because uh, Tommy is bye-bye. I think I have a date with um, Tommy tomorrow. You'll be free. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry it's about okay. it. Turns out you don't have plans for the prom. <laughs> yeah. Mom, who was on the phone? A dead man. Um, a sacrifice for the machine. Okay, let's talk about uh, Story Expanded Universe. So let me ask you a yeah. question. How many dead teenagers are we personally responsible for? Four at this point? We got Tommy. We right? got Tommy. We got 
what's the last kiss? He's uh, killed, right? The, the, the girl, name, the girl, they? his girlfriend is is killed in Last Kiss. Oh, the girlfriend's yeah. killed. Okay. Uh, Teen Angel. Sure. Teen Angel. Leader of the pack. Leader of the pack. Leader of the pack um, right. Um, do we count? Do we count patches? I think we can count patches. Yeah, we can Definitely. count patches. Okay. Um, um, I mean the girl, but girl patches to be clear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The the guy, the cowboy who gets shot in El Paso, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean he's not a teenager. That's more like a country but yeah. song. But, but that's a tragedy. He's probably yeah. a he's probably a teenager, but um, um that's a good so point. Five. Yeah. I mean, at least f- Rico from Copacabana. Yeah, <laughs> Copacabana. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, no, wait, so, no, Rico. Yeah. I mean, these are just the amount of death. Tony. It was Tony. It was Tony. These are just Tony, the amount though. of death that killed. we are responsible for. But teenagers in general. I think five is where we're at. Right. And they all die in cars, right? No, or at least mo- a motorcycle. there's a motorcycle. Um, Patches drowns in the river. Oh, right. Patches drowns <laughs> uh, in the river. Teen Angel, <laughs> uh, Teen Angel died in a car, but by a train. Billy well, Joe. Uh, well, I mean, this is, from, this is from our first run, but Billy Joe McAllister, who jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. The every, everybody in Rapture got uh, killed by <laughs> a man from true. Mars. So. That's true. Got eaten by a man from Mars. Um, yeah, and many of those were probably but I teenagers. Think that, I think that, <laughs> Did we talk about how that was the greatest genocide <laughs> in history? <laughs> that's just glossed yeah. over in that song? Oh, man. That Doesn't man matter. We're not talking about that song. Let's but move on. I, I, the crazy um, thing is that there, we have gone through, we have seen a lot of teen tragedy uh, in these songs, and I feel like we yeah. haven't even scratched the surface. No, it was a whole genre. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, this was a huge thing. I'm telling you, they in the 60s, teenagers were obsessed with death, and people were terrified of cars. Yeah. This is like not. I'm I'm only half joking. Like there there is so many songs and movies and sure. TV shows and everything else about that. Like that was a huge thing. Like teenagers wanted to die in the arms of their. Boyfriend yeah. or girlfriend? That that was like it was a thing. That was the main. Goal. You know what I? You know what I like to believe? Somewhere in the story song expanded universe, there is a great stock car race in the in the sky that all of these yeah. poor teenagers are at, <laughs> and not a one of them knows how to drive properly. Nope. No, it's all just smashing exactly. into each other. It's like bumper cars. Right, out there. right. It's horrible. But yeah, so I mean, I think you know, I I think we can maybe say. That um, the girl from Leader of the Pack is Laura. I don't know if we ever get her name in Leader of the Pack, but like that's Maybe. why she went for a rebel, right? Because the trauma of her boyfriend being killed, <laughs> um, straight laced Tommy being killed. You know, she just she went straight for like something that something different, something that would make her feel alive. Yeah, yeah. For once after this, uh, and then he dies, and then she is crazy <laughs> after that she's just like i'm cursed why does everyone i love anyway, die that's when i decided um, to become a nun and she could fly that's right yeah um i think i it what it could also be i mean since we're talking about laura uh and her relations what if laura had a sister named sylvia Okay. And mm. uh, her mother just would not let anybody talk no. to her daughters on the phone. Ooh, that's good. No, no, no. Yeah. She had a strict policy. No matter what was happening, <laughs> you were not allowed to talk to her on the phone. Yeah, I was actually, I was going to suggest maybe the uh, same operator for, uh, who's taking the call from Tommy and the one who's taking the call from uh, to Sylvia's mother. <laughs> yeah, there. She's that's just true. Like, yeah. She's just like, man, these these guys are just striking out, getting past the moms. <laughs> but, you know, maybe I can get a direct line for a little extra just cheddar. Just a little um, bit. 
Tommy, here in the 1960s, I've invented a little something I like to call a cell phone. Right. And let me explain to you how it works. And it could be yours for $1,000, so go win that stock car race. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Anything else? Any yeah, I also I also assume that the racetrack... Well, I think they live in the nice part of town, but I assume that the racetrack is in Old Shantytown. Sure. Yeah, you don't put the you don't put a a stock car uh, racing ground on the nice part of town. You put it in a shanty town. No. Yeah, I mean it's all the fumes from the cars, right? Don't they say doesn't shanty town like isn't it full of fumes? I forget. There's some line about it. Well, the, the or, coal yards. Yeah, the coal yards. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So it's also one side is the coal yards, the other side is the uh, the stock car race. So it's just all coming together right in the yeah. middle. Or it could just be could be on the cheating side of town. And somebody cheated yeah. and Tommy died. I guess so. I don't think people want to come out, though, on the cheating side of town. No. I don't think they want to be out in public. That's, yeah. the, only, that's the only problem. They don't want to but be But that's seen. why nobody noticed so. what happened that day. That's right. <laughs> everybody <laughs> right. was just looking down. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah, was yeah. with their mistresses. Everybody was holding up newspapers and had <laughs> trench, trench coats on <laughs> so they couldn't be seen. Um, uh, I, I also wonder if Tommy's the same guy from Teen Angel. Yeah, remind me what happens in Teen Angel. <laughs> Teen <laughs> Angel is uh, they their car gets stuck on the track and they on the train tracks and they get out of the car and yeah. Teen Angel is like, oh wait, I forgot something. And uh, I forgot the ring. Right, goes goes back. goes back to get uh, his high school ring. Right. Um, and but not fast enough. So then he meets right. Laura after this, and he's like, well, I'm gonna get her another ring. Maybe he's this person <laughs> who's sacrificing people to the machines. Man, oh man, this is his—he's got a whole thing. Teen Angel gets hit by a train after running back to the car to get to get the ring. Right. Tommy gets into a car accident because he's trying to buy a ring. Ooh. So it's like like a weird karma thing. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe there's just like a cursed wedding ring. <laughs> that's yeah. good too. <laughs> like anyone anyone who tries to get it is killed. Ooh, that's episode uh, two of the. It goes from person to person. Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, that's episode two. I'd like to give you this wedding ring. I found it on a mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's glowing. But it's so I pretty. know, right? Cool. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about the history of this song with Story Behind the Story. So don't go anywhere. Stay right there. Don't move. We're going to be right back. Bye. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I'm Josh. And I'm Skinner. And we host PredictoCast. On this podcast, we watch the first 10 minutes of movies we know nothing about and then try to predict what happens next. It's like very low stakes gambling. We've covered movies with talking dogs, fake legs, sexual medical dummies, and Santa Claus. New episodes are released every week and you can find us wherever you get podcasts or at PredictoCast.com. We predict you're going to love this show. All right, we're back. It's time for a story behind the story. This is where we tell you, how did this story come to be? So, Michael. Yes. Take it away. What, uh, you know, what the deal? What's the deal with this song? <laughs> this uh, song, this story actually uh, just appeared as an obituary in oh, no. uh, <laughs> word for word in I mean, a I small would, town I, newspaper. I was going to say, I would believe yeah, it right? if it was like, you know, this was based on a true story that they read in the paper. And No, it's all fiction. So uh, the song was written by Jeff Barry and Ben Raleigh. Um, Mm -hmm. A little bit about our songwriters. Ben Raleigh was born uh, June of 1913. He died in February of 1997. Variety uh, in his, after he passed in his obituary, uh, referred to him as a prolific songwriter. He had songs recorded by Elvis Presley, Leslie Gore, Dinah Shore, Connie Francis, The Monkees, all comes back to The Monkees, mm-hmm. uh, Nat King Cole and Aretha Franklin. The Monkees song, because I figured you would ask, was Hold On Girl, Help Is On The Way. Yeah, I don't know that one. Um, that must not have been yeah. a popular one, but yeah. oh well. Um, he won a Grammy Award for uh, writing Love Is A Hurtin' Thing by Lou Rawls. Okay. Um, That's a good one. He wrote the lyrics to Wonderful, Wonderful by Johnny Mathis, which you guys probably don't know, but it's a great song. Uh, I think most importantly... Oh, yeah. He wrote the theme song to Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Oh, my (laughs) God. Nice. National treasure. All of those other accomplishments, I don't care. Uh, It's all about Scooby-Doo. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah. uh, Like, if you... Forget the Grammy. Like, you wrote Scooby-Doo, you're awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. That's incredible. It is always driven me crazy that the premise of the theme song for Scooby-Doo is that they need Scooby... They they gotta find Scooby-Doo. Because they cannot accomplish their mission without Scooby Doo, when in fact in the show he is com- he is a completely, completely useless coward. <laughs> I don't understand where they're like Scooby Doo. Where are you? We need you right now. It's so important that you're here. For what? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> All he does is run away from ghosts and then eat tons of food. He's not. He's not like he's solving the mystery. That's Velma. Right. Right. That's Velma. <laughs> Always Velma. Okay. Velma, where Velma, are you? Velma solves. Velma's the brain. Fred is the is the brawn, and the rest of them, I don't know what they're there for. <laughs> I feel like this song was written earlier before they really figured out what the show was. Yeah. It feels like Scooby-Doo was going to be much more important to the plot. Right, of right. The, they were going to be like, Scooby-Doo, he's, he's going to be like, uh, <laughs> he's going to like sniff out the, you know, he's going to sniff <laughs> right, out the criminals. Exactly. He's going to really figure it out. He's going to be like Sherlock Holmes, but in dog form. Right. Oh, he's just a, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Just a stoner's best friend? <laughs> oh, uh, all right. Well, keep the song. The song's good. Uh, funny. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, oh, you 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 go tell 
Ben Raleigh that we're not using his song. <laughs> I mean, that guy wrote a song for the monkeys, so we're keeping it. There's nothing we can do now. He's he's really good uh, about like uh, sneaking around haunted houses because he's a great Dane, uh, and <laughs> no one could possibly hear him hear come. him stomping yeah. around. Yeah. He's a dog the size of a small horse, yeah. so he's really great at sneaking around, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. solving mysteries. Does he talk? I mean, he almost talks. He kind of does. <laughs> So he can't give us a lot of clues, but he can kind of help right. us. Right. Continue, Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I kind of want to talk more about cartoons. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, the, uh, the other half of that songwriting duo was Jeff Barry. He was born Joel Edelberg in April 1938 in Brooklyn. He was a graduate of Erasmus Hall High School uh, in 1955, um, which is where the famous people go to high school, apparently. Right. Um, notable alumni include Betty Comden, Barbara Stanwyck, Dorothy Kilgallen, Eli Wallach, Mae West, Arthur Lawrence, Mo Howard, Neil Diamond, and Barbara Streisand. Um, Yay! All different classes. Yay! It was, it was not just like, like wow, that's a hell of a class picture. It, they yeah. were scattered. So does he know what happened to Dorothy Kilgallen? Um, I mean, I, we could ask him. Did he, I mean, was he involved in it? <laughs> Isn't Dorothy Kilgallen the one who know. disappeared? No, she didn't disappear. Oh, who disappeared? Who am I thinking of? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. From uh, from the, to, from to the tell the truth. The owner of the old no amusement the, park. The one, from, the one from to tell the truth or uh, or what's my she line? She was on what's my line. Dor- yeah, Dorothy she was a journalist and she was. Didn't she get yeah, killed? She didn't disappear. She, she got murdered. Died. What they say was under mysterious. Circumstances. Well, that's why I'm wondering. This, did he know what happened to her? I I mean I don't know. I mean maybe I don't think they were in the same graduating class. No. Um, well, then forget but it. they, <laughs> I mean, maybe is, they went to alumni events. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is very disappointing. Cause I do, I'm now imagining the high school reunion where in a, in, in, in a, in a mini circle is, uh, Barbara Streisand, Eli Wallach, Mo Howard, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the ghost of Dorothy Kilgagan, Kilgallen. I guess, Kilgallen. uh, Kilgallen. Yeah. So the, uh, I, I'm just, I just want to imagine Barbara Streisand and Mo Howard, and then him being like, "Yeah," and then so then what I did was I bopped him on the head, right, and then I took my two fingers and stuck it right in the eye. She's like, "Mm-hmm, sounds great." Um, That's great. I have a I mall in my this. basement. <laughs> so uh, after he graduated high school, uh, he served in the army and dropped out of college to pursue a singing career. Um, in the late 50s, he recorded a couple of singles for RCA Records, and in 1960 began his songwriting career. Uh, he wrote Teenage Sonata for Sam Cooke, which went to number 22 on the R&B chart, and Tell Laura I Love Her. Those were his first, among his first songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, around this time, he met a singer and songwriter, who you might have heard of, named Ellie Greenwich. Uh-huh. I have not. Uh, they were married on October 28th, 1962. And became one of the most successful, prolific songwriting teams of the 60s. And these are just some of the songs that they wrote together. So wait, before, could you, before you get into this list. Yep. Which is, which is very um, impressive. So he dropped Ben <laughs> Raleigh like a bad habit, right? And started, <laughs> and started writing with, uh, what was her name, Ellie? Is Ellie that what Greenwich, happened? Yeah. She was the Yoko um, of their group? So no, dropped- I mean, I think they just wrote the one song together. Okay. I don't think uh, they were like a, 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 a partnership. Gotcha. They're, so, okay. So they're just, they're in the Brill building and Ben is just like pounding out, you know, tell her I love theme her. theme songs. And, and then he, he like goes into Jeff's office and is like, hey, hold on. I, I got this thing for uh, Hanna-Barbera I got to get done. So real quick, <laughs> take a listen to this and, what, you know, what do you, what do you think? And then he like throws out a couple ideas and he's like, great. 
Great, you're right. And then I got to write this song about a heroic dog. So you uh, <laughs> can you finish this one up for me? Um, okay. So so him and Ben, this is a one time. Oh, no. Yeah. Him and Ben is a one time thing. I think so. Yeah. But then he goes off and he's he's working with Ellie. Well, yeah. The two and, of them uh, were working together and they were married. And so it kind of just made sense that they'd work together. And when they worked together, the the songs that they wrote were incredible. Yeah. So they wrote. Then he kissed me and da do run run for the crystals. Be my baby and baby I love you for the Ronettes. Hanky panky for the raindrops. <laughs> I love that one. I, I I'm gonna say this one. Sure, that one. <laughs> that one's fine. I love it. Okay. Do a ditty the the famous version being by Manfred Mann. Uh huh. Yep. Chapel of Love by the Dixie Cups. Yeah yeah. Hold yeah, on. You, you skipped, skipped one. one. You know that. Back. Uh, under, I do know under, that because I rearranged my list. Oh, How sorry. about everybody okay. stops reading right. ahead? Sorry. Why? Because I was <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't want you to miss because I want. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. You're going to surprise us. You're going to surprise everybody at the end. The, let's cut this part out and let me have a method to my damn madness. <laughs> no. Sorry, go ahead. No. We're, we're gonna, people are going to see behind the scenes. Keep going. <laughs> I got no. nervous. Do, start at Do A Diddy. I'm going to start at Do A Diddy. You know what? All right. I'm going to start at Do A Diddy because I say so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not because you say so. Uh, <laughs> now I'm hitting my mic. Everything's a mess now. Do I Diddy, the famous version being by Manfred Mann. Um, yeah. There was an earlier version, but the cover ended up being like the one that was the huge hit. Uh, mm -hmm. Chapel of Love, um, which was recorded Great. by the Dixie Cups. Perfect. Great song. Maybe I Know uh, by Leslie Gore. Great song. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm sure I know that song, but I don't. I can't hear it. In my that's head. the one that's a maybe. I know that he's been a cheating. Maybe I know. Right, that's that's yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah that's great song. Oh, okay. One that you might remember, uh, yep. Leader of the Pack by the Shangri-Las. Drop the hammer, Leader of the <laughs> oh, Pack! Look out, look out, look out, look out! Great song. Um, and we did it, obviously. All-time classic, River Deep Mountain High by Ike nice. and Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very um, good. A Fine, Fine Boy by Darlene Love. Yes. Yeah. One that maybe you've heard all the time, at least once a year. Uh, mm -hmm. Christmas Baby Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Yay. That is, without a doubt, number one with a bullet, my favorite Christmas song. Really? It's a good one. I mean, one. that is a great song, and the Darlene Love version. So good. Yeah. I guess is the original. That's the original, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, just chills down my spine every time I hear it. So good. So good. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say this. I am sure glad that Jeff and Ellie met each other. Yeah. Man, oh, man. <laughs> there was, according to a story on um, 2020, back in the mid-80s, uh, Ellie Greenwich, it said that Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry uh, had 27 hits in three years Jeez. and sold over 30 million singles. That's amazing. That's it, huh? I <laughs> guess that's all right. I guess that's fine. <laughs> you had 27 hits over three years. That's like, is that more than one a month? No. Wait, am I doing the yes, math you're doing the math. Oh, no, that'll be 36 months. Okay, but still, that's like that's like know. they took the summers off. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly that's like, right. That's like one. That's like one every other month. That's. Yeah. I guess that's. I guess that's pretty. Yeah. That's good. literally they took the summer. They're like, you know what? We're not going to do anything for June, July, and August except go to our beach house. 
But other than that, we're going to crank out these hits, baby. Ben's on the phone because he, he's got a, a song due for the Laugh Olympics that he needs help with. But then <laughs> yeah. right after that, we're heading off to Cabo. They got this thing about a grape ape. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to crank out a song for him. I don't know. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a talking dune buggy. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's pretty derivative. <laughs> but I mean, they're paying us a lot of money. They're paying us a lot of money. Oh, so, man, hey, wrote, Christmas man. baby, please come home. And uh, the theme to the hair bear bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hair bear bunch. That is the only thing that would make that list better. We've often sort of speculated about life in the Brill Building because it's the most fascinating thing in the world. Yeah. I saw an interview with Ellie Greenwich from 1984. Uh, and she talks about working in the Brill Building, and this is a paraphrased quote. She says, it was your job. You get up in the morning, you go to your office, and we went to work every day, and we got our paycheck every week. And that was our job, that was what we did, and you wanted to do good at the job, and the better you did, the more money you'd make. Wow, really take the I... mystique out of it, Ellie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it was, yeah. they would go to the office and just write songs. Yeah. And they ended up being classics. Right, right. So she also said in this interview, uh, just talking about, and this was in the 80s, uh, the difference between songwriting then and songwriting now, now being 1984. Sure. Um, she said there was no category then, you just did what you did. Jobs were very defined back then. There was the songwriter, there was the artist, there was the producer, there was the publisher, there was the recording studio. We didn't have categories for anything. We just wrote our songs. We hope to find an artist to be a vehicle for the song that we wrote. Uh, we just wrote what we felt, and now it's going into categories. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was all this stuff sort of came out, and there was such a delineation between singers and songwriters. And now, yeah. and then, right. I mean, I guess, I guess, really that that overlap didn't start until with like Neil Diamond and uh, uh, Carol King and stuff, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the 70s was the era of the singer-songwriter. Right, singer-songwriter. Um, but, I mean, it definitely existed where they were singers who would write their own songs or whatever, or musicians who'd write their own songs. But it just was like, at some point, it became shameful if someone else wrote right, the song. Right, right. Yeah. Right, or it became like a negative. At the time, it, like we've talked about this before, like, people would be like, okay, I wrote three songs, and then I'm going to get nine other songs from the Brill Building. And, like, no one thought that was weird at all. No. Like, that was, yeah. what, that was what you did. You know, and even, you know, the monkeys were even like coming on the tail end of that where even they were kind of like, but that's, this is how it works. Like, I don't know why everyone's mad at us all <laughs> right, of a right. sudden. Like, yeah, if someone else wrote our songs, like we're just, you know, that's, this is how it yeah. is. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. the seventies was uh, the era of the singer and songwriter was like the real moment of like, well, you have to write your own songs. I think right, the Beatles right. were the ones who sort of are kind of responsible I mean, for that. The, but, they were like yeah, the first were, band that wrote their own songs. They were a big part of it because they definitely wrote their own songs. But at some point... But even were, in the early days, they didn't write all of their own songs. No, definitely. They did a ton of covers. But They, they did a song um, from The Music Man. True. They did. Um, but they... Uh, they did Shapoopy. It was weird. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> they... Uh, what was I going to say? would kill oh, to hear that. At some point, at some point, you just seemed inauthentic. Right. Right. If yeah. you didn't write your own songs. The idea was you were supposed to write your own songs and perform them and whatever, you know. Um, and all of that was always fake, too. All those, uh, not all of them, but a lot of those people had shadow songwriters, you know, who would right. punch it up or whatever. Um, so a lot of that was, was always right, fake, right. too. But yeah. It just and there became, was. And then that swung back around in the 2000s where all of a sudden nobody cared anymore. Yeah. Sure. Um, sure. Which is fine. There but, was there know, was at the time, though, the the. Within that, there was still, I think, room for the interpretive singer. 
Oh yeah, definitely. That makes sense. Like the Frank Sinatra's, the Barbra Streisands, the Linda Ronstadt's, who were like, I am a singer. I do not write songs. Someone else. I interpret other people's music. But that's what I mean. But they they were looked on differently, right? Yeah. Like if if you know Barbra Streisand and Led Zeppelin both put out an album in 1970, whatever. Like they both might have been respected, but it was clear that Barbra Streisand she was just a singer and she's in movies. You know, and I don't mean just a singer. Like, obviously, she's amazing, but like, you know, she's she's a song and dance woman, right? She like she sings songs. She's in movies. Like, that's what she does. We're not expecting her. We don't expect her to write the movie, right? That she's in. We don't expect her to write the song. Whereas like Led Zeppelin was like, or what any other band was like something different, right? Yeah. Like they're artists. Right. They write the songs. Like you know, there's this big mysterious process of how they come up with these songs. It's and, mostly bands. You know, and it means yeah, something. it was mostly like yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's different if a band had songwriters. Band, yeah, and and like we and we said the singer songwriter. Well, but what right? I'm saying You're, is but, the Jim Croce. Yeah, but what I was saying is, about the sorry, what I was saying about the singer songwriter was not that. Not that, oh, now, just like the Beatles, you, you look differently if you're not singing your own songs. It was like the songwriters. Yeah. I mean, look at the people who became, who were songwriters in the Brill Building, who became breakout artists. That it's like, oh, look at this, look at this cover of a um, Aretha Franklin song Carol King is singing. And it's like, well, no, no, no. I wrote that song. I'm just singing my own songs now. I'm stepping out from behind being just a songwriter and being a singer as well. And writing my own stuff. So that's what I'm saying. It's like out of the Brill Building, the Brill Building was just songwriters, songwriters, pumping it out to whoever will take it, right? And some of them were huge hits, and some of them are Scooby-Doo's. But, so, right. <laughs> but, but at some point, there was in, in the 60s, right? In the 60s, early 70s, they started to, they started to come out of the Brill Building and produce their own uh, you know their own music, right? Well, and then and of course, once the songwriters were also the singers, then some of the songwriters were like, "Well, I can exactly. do this. Like, wh- why do why do I need to sell my song to someone else? I can just do it correct, myself." Correct, correct. So, um, anyway, anyway, yeah, Michael, Michael, sorry, <laughs> agree. What do you What do you want? No, me to you say? want to continue? We're, we're still going through. Believe it or not, so here, here, we're not done with our background. Here's what happened. You had you had a bullet point in your in your history write up. We spent twelve minutes riffing on that. Now we need you to go on to the next bullet point. And don't, for the love of God, do not skip one because we're we're, we're gonna jump you. all over you. Uh, so another thing she said in this interview was, um, I worked mainly with Jeff. I came into the business about six months before I got married to Jeff Barry. Jeff and Phil Spector were the main people I worked with during the early sixties. So I think nice. it was. Them working together, I think, started out as just like, well, this is just a natural thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're geniuses. Right. Uh, <laughs> here, here are our amazing songs. Uh, and it, the, the partnership just continued. Yeah. By the 80s, there was a lot of nostalgia for the 50s and 60s. Leader of the Pack, a musical review of uh, Ellie Greenwich's songs, mostly the ones that she wrote with Jeff Barry, uh, debuted at the bottom line in New York City. Uh, it was in the winter of 1984. It transferred to the Ambassador Theater on Broadway, uh, where it began previews on February 21st, 1985, and opened on April 8th. It ran for 120 performances and 53 previews. Uh, the cast featured Ellie Greenwich, Patrick Cassidy as Jeff Barry, Dinah Manoff, Annie Golden, Jasmine Guy, and Darlene Love. Jeez. Oh, um, wow. The interesting thing is 
at that time, I believe Paul Schaefer was involved in the show. I don't know if he was of like musical was. director, orchestrator or something, but David Letterman saw the show on Broadway, saw Darlene Love singing. I believe I believe she was singing Christmas Baby, Please Come Home in the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and that's when the tradition of having Darlene Love singing oh. Christmas Baby, Please Come Home on his show started when he saw her sing it in the, in the leader of the that's pack. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and then she did it from the mid '80s on to uh, until the so time the show ended, his right? show ended. And yeah, now she's doing it. I think on the View or something every year. Great. I'm saying the tradition continues. No, I, know, I, gotta I, I gotcha. I gotcha. No, I just, um, I just, I just feel bad for Darlene Love that now she has to do it on the View. The show uh, leader of the pack was directed and choreographed uh, by Michael Peters, who you might know for his work on Pat Benatar's "Love Is a Battlefield" video. I do know him. Great from shoulder. Um, great shoulder work on yeah, that song. Great shoulder work. And first music video with dialogue. Yes, true. That's true. Um, and also uh, a couple of little videos uh, by Michael Jackson uh, called Beat It and I think it's called Thriller. That oh, might be yeah, what I've it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's apparently dancing in them. That's true. So outside of his partnership with Ellie Greenwich, Jeff Barry. Wait, I'm sorry. I got to take a step back. So because I was waiting for you to finish. So Ellie Greenwich yes. plays herself in the musical and someone else plays her husband <laughs> that's awesome yeah at that point i think they were divorced uh, oh, okay oh, um, sad. maybe they couldn't be in the same room i just think that's hilarious <laughs> that she's like so i'm gonna play me and jeff this is the guy who's gonna play you because you definitely can't be in the musical we're gonna get this other I'm guy sorry, what and we're, and 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 by the way in the musical there's a lot of like a lot <laughs> so outside of his partnership with ellie greenwich jeff barry uh-huh. wrote or co-wrote other classics, uh, including Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, oh My My by the Monkees. And uh, I Honestly Love You by Olivia Newton-John. Aww. Yes. Right? So, so Oh My My, uh, minor hit for the Monkees. Right. It's a good one. I Honestly Love You. Good song. Okay. Here's my hot take of the day. You ready? Okay. <laughs> yep. I genuinely think... That Sugar Sugar by the Archies is a good song. Oh, I do too. Yes. Like, okay. I mean, genuinely good. Like, the song is good. Yeah. And then whatever studio musicians and singers they got on that day to be the right. Archies, I, it just it was lighting in a bottle. <laughs> if you actually listen to that song and try to forget, like, the origin of right. it, it is really good. And the part where, where he's like... Oh, poor little sugar. Like, you're like, oh my God, this guy's like going for it. Like, this is really good. So that's all. I just, I, I like, I, so I think it was, I don't think it was this year. I think it was last year. Uh, my daughter had a birthday party. I put together a playlist of like songs for the kids. And one of them was Sugar Sugar. And so I was walking around listening to my podcast, like a week, uh, my podcast, my, my iPod, uh, like a week later and Sugar Sugar came on on random and i was like walking through the city and i was just like um is this song really good <laughs> like, I, i've never really listened yeah. to this song before and it's good it's Could this good, be man. my favorite song by a cartoon band <laughs> yeah like i mean like the like the 60s organ in that song i'm like this is really good like this if this was on like a doors song right no one would question how good this song right. is it's just because it's a cartoon band that people like dismiss it but it's it's really yeah, good yeah that's all I just, oh it's, it's really good. They, they, everyone, he, within the sound of my voice, put on Sugar Sugar by the Archies and just listen to it right. with fresh ears. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yep. It really rocks. That's all. Nice. And, and think about the cartoons that are singing it. 
Yeah. There yeah. You go. No, don't. That's why I don't do that. That's oh. insane. No, you keep them completely um, entwined. A lot of cartoon song talk on this yeah, episode. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. That was, that was unexpected. No. Okay. <laughs> First song about somebody who dies in a stock car race. <laughs> bit about Ray Peterson who sang uh, Tell Laura I Love Her. He was born April 1939 in Denton, Texas. During his childhood he had polio and sang to entertain the other patients in the hospital and that's when he kind of discovered he could sing. Hey mama I can he... sing. You sure can son. <laughs> he's gonna die. Oh my um, god. Just, just tell him he's a good singer. He's not gonna make it through the my night. Lord. Oh okay. my god. That's awful. Um We'll feed him to the machine. <laughs> <laughs> he moved to Los Angeles at the age of 18 to become a singer, was signed by RCA Records. His first major hit was The Wonder View, which peaked on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 25 the week of June 29th, 1959. The famous version of that song is a live recording by Elvis Presley, released as a single in April of 1970, wow. which peaked at number nine uh, the week of June 27th, 1970, where it would stay for three weeks. But not by Peterson. No, by Presley. Comma Elvis. So actually, Elvis Presley and uh, Ray Peterson were friends. Uh, and according to Peterson, quote, he asked me if I would mind if he recorded The Wonder of You. I said, you don't have to ask permission. You're Elvis Presley. He said, yes, I do. You're Ray Peterson. That is so patronizing. He just turns, he goes, don't do that to me, Elvis. <laughs> really? Do you remember when I recorded Hound Dog, Elvis? Because I didn't. <laughs> Not a lot of Ray Peterson impersonators. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Elvis. Yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> the success of Tell Laura I Love Her allowed him to start his own record label. Uh, it was called Dunes Records and it was created with his manager, Stan Shulman. Mm -hmm. Nice. In 1960, he hired an almost unknown producer named Phil Spector. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he produced uh, Peterson's recording of Corinna Corinna, which was his last major hit. It peaked at number nine. Uh, the week of January 9th, 1961 would stay there for two weeks. Aww. You could sort of hear this in the song, but uh, Ray Peterson had a four octave range. He's a member of the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, and he continued recording and touring. Uh, he passed away January of 2005 at the age of 65. Mm. Tell Laura I Love Her was one of several teen tragedy songs of the era. And as we've discussed, its dark themes led to it being banned by several radio stations oh, in the man. U.S., um, they, which makes sense. They banned a lot of stuff back then. Everything was being yeah. banned. Except, <laughs> except driving without a seatbelt. Yeah, that yeah. was that was they cool, were but like, don't sing about yeah, they it. They were like, listen, a bunch of kids are dying because of this music about cars that yeah. are unsafe. Yeah. let's ban make the, the music. car safer no ban the music then they won't know it's unsafe because the machines must be fed i mean because the music is to blame thankfully nothing relevant about what's going on not today in at America. all not at all no definitely not blaming the wrong things <laughs> right for violence right. That's we've going learned on. our lesson we did it america good job <laughs> so uh according to the guardian uh, quote, in Britain, it inspired moral panic after an extract was broadcast oh, on BBC God. television news. Hey, relax. Everything was a moral panic in Britain. Chill out. <laughs> of course, we're crying out loud. So as a result, Decca Records canceled the release of the single in the oh, UK. Oh my God. And they destroyed 25,000 copies that they had already pressed. They said it was too tasteless and vulgar for the English sensibility. You know what? You know that what? You know what? UK. Who do you think you are? 
Yeah. Who do you think you are? Yeah. You think you're so great? Come on. So I'll tell you who they think they are. EMI Records decided to release a new recording of the song in the UK. Uh, Welsh singer Ricky Valance recorded this song and it went to number one for three weeks. The same song? On the UK charts, yeah. So they were just bitter that an American recorded it. I mean, I can't speak to their motivations, but... Yes. I think the point is that, <laughs> yeah, I think the point is that, like, they were worried that it was too dark and too vulgar and, you know, created a moral panic and... They were like, oh, let's release it and see what happens. Oh, it's a number one song. Okay, great. <laughs> got it. Got it. So in the U.S., after eight weeks on the chart, uh, it peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 the week of August 1st, 1960. Ahead of it were at uh, number six, Image of a Girl by Safaris with the Phantoms Band. No, no idea. <clears throat> nope. I mean, they're not all going to be classics. No. Uh, number five, Alley Oop by Hollywood Argyles. Uh, number four, Only the Lonely by Roy Orbison. Number three, It's Now or Never by Elvis Presley, mm -hmm. uh, who was, I don't know if I told you, he's friends with Ray Peterson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were, they were good oh, friends. that, oh, the friend, that, oh, that yeah, guy. Ray yes. Peterson's the friend, Elvis. friends with Ray Peterson. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I know who you're talking about. Um, number two, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot <laughs> Bikini by Brian yep. Hyland. A Story Song Podcast classic episode. That's true. Former episode. And yeah. number one is a great song, I'm Sorry by Brenda Lee. Nice. It was also recorded uh, in 1971 by Shanana. Of course it was. Uh, and released on their debut album. Of course it was. And it became yeah. one of their most popular songs. Unfortunately, it was not in their Woodstock set list. <laughs> Darn it. We're really getting more and more Shanana facts as we go on, more than I would ex have expected. It's interesting because it kind of links back to the musical leader of the pack, where there was just this nostalgia for right. the 50s, early 60s. Oh, yeah. And in the, the late 60s through, got through the mid 80s, I guess, or late 80s. And Shanana was just a big part of that. Yeah crazy like i've i've heard live recordings of tell laura i love her by shanana as soon as the song starts the audience goes nuts right. like it was a huge hit for them and it was a big i guess part of their live shows and people just love the song uh all right good good history on this song um always amazing how it's just like some random song oh the most prolific talented songwriter exactly. of all time. exactly we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk about the lesson we learned with lessons learned I'm playing this jazzy salsa rhythm to talk to you about algorithms. The best way to help people find the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All those five-star reviews cause Apple's algorithm to do something I don't understand, for reasons no one understands. But the result is more people listening to and enjoying the Story Song Podcast. And if you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the show. Now... Enough talk. Let's dance. All right, and we're back. It's time for lessons learned. What lesson did we learn from this song? Um, usually I assign someone, but uh, who, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. My lesson is this. Much like in a horse race, if you want to make the big money, you should own the car and have somebody else drive mm -hmm. it because then you're safe. Yeah. And then you get a bigger, you get a bigger, uh, 
uh, amount of money at the end. The jockeys don't get the most money. The owners of the horse get the most amount of money. So I assume it works the same way in stock car racing. And, and then this whole tragedy could have been, I mean, there would be another tragedy, but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be Tommy. Tommy would be safe. I mean, you have two streams of revenue, right? right? You have the money that you win in the stock car race, and then you take out insurance on the drive. Correct. And exactly. <laughs> one way or God. one way or another, you're getting you're getting, you're getting paid, paid. Right. That's right. So that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. You're covering your bases, is what I'm saying, Tommy. You did not think this through, Michael. What do you got? I learned that. Look, I get you want to buy a, a expensive ring and all the gifts mm-hmm. and stuff before you enter a really dangerous race mm-hmm. that you're not prepared for. Sure. Exhaust all other possibilities, like Definitely. maybe selling the fancy stock car that you own right. <laughs> <laughs> right. to make that money and buy yeah. the ring and the Etch-A-Sketch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's a lot less dangerous. <laughs> Sell it to somebody else who's going to be unprepared in that race. Right. You probably live in a small yeah, town. Yeah. You don't even need a car right now. I got to race my stock car in this stock car race so I can make $1,000. And someone's like, it's a pretty good Stocker, I'll give you $2,000 for that. Shut up, Joe. I'm trying to think. How am I going to get into the stock car race so I can make $1,000? I need to um, make $1,000 with this $15,000 car. Yeah, yeah. Right, barely right, right. used. I'll go 2500 I said be quiet. I got to think how I can get into the stock car race. I can't concentrate. Um, I would just say that if you are in a fiery wreck, as they're pulling you out, I understand that you probably want to say, like, tell my girlfriend I love her. Make sure she knows that I'll always be there. You know, think I'll be somewhere thinking of her. Um, but more realistically, plainly lay out exactly what happened, <laughs> what led to the crash, so there's no mystery. That's true. Because right? yeah. people are always going to – so as I'm pulling out, just be like, yeah, so then car number six hit me, and then I tried to turn the wheel, and then the brake, and then it flipped. Like, And they'll be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because we were wondering – why you got into this crash right. but now, now we no. know now there's now we won't be able to say no one knows what happened because we you very clearly step by step laid out what happened yeah um and now that we way, know what happened maybe we can help you right right, right. right. and by the way did you have anything you want to say to your girlfriend oh he's yeah. dead oh, that's I, I would say <laughs> well, at least we yeah, know I, at least we know what happened we don't know how he felt about his girlfriend but at least we know exactly. what happened to him. i feel like you have two options as long as laura is not going to have questions forever right. you <laughs> yeah, have two exactly. options there you either do that make sure you lay out your plan or you just scream out now bring me to the mechanical gods <laughs> <laughs> those are your two <laughs> options let me die a hero <laughs> um all right uh good good episode everybody um this has been the story song podcast uh we'll be back next episode with another great story song thank you so much for listening please follow us on twitter instagram uh facebook Mm -hmm. leave a review on apple Podcasts. we'd really appreciate it five star review and uh yeah thanks again for listening we'll talk to you next time i'm dan mcinerney i'm rachel oaks and i'm michael gazelle talk to you when we come back with another great story song Thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Tell Laura I love her. Tell Laura I love her. Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Find them at purple-planet.com. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. 
For even more great stuff from the Story Song Podcast, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Story underscore Song, and on Instagram at Story Song Podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next time with another great story song. Thanks for listening. The other thing is that um, it, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Michael, your joke was so funny, it threw me off. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Forge audio. Dream it. Build it. Share it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.